following is a presentation of the Church of the Living God in Traverse City, Michigan. If you miss Anthony, these are his notes, so you'll still be okay. Um, if you're disappointed or disagree, though, these are his notes. Um, I read through them. They look okay. Uh, but if you hear something really impressive, I may have added that on the fly. So <clears throat> just keep that all in mind. Uh, one one thing in addition to what Pete said um, is it's, and, and somebody else mentioned this morning, it's it was neat to see, and my wife was sick. She was supposed to be running the slides. There was a big scramble, and uh, lots of people, Adam's running sound for me right now because I was scheduled for that today too. Sheila's doing, I mean, there's a lot of people doing a lot of stuff, and it's just cool that things happen here. Um, we got a, a very helpful crew. But, yeah. <clears throat> so last week, we talked about how God is always at work doing something uh, in us and for us that we can't accomplish on our own power. Uh, but the Bible is also clear that God expects us to participate in the building of our lives. We're involved in this. Uh, there's a couple of key scriptural passages Anthony has, has pointed out that offer a foundation for this topic today. First one is Jesus speaking in Matthew. Whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built, notice these action verbs, these are not passive, who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew and beat on that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on the house, and that house fell. And great was its fall. Jesus is the rock on which we build the foundation of our life that will stand in the midst of storms. But we build. Whether on sand or stone, we build. After talking about people who are commended for having faith, Paul wrote this. Since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything. Again, something we do. Throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Don't just let go and let God sit there. There's truth in, in the fact that God is faithful and the Holy Spirit works. But there's a lot of action in here. Let us run the race that is given to us. Looking at Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Jesus is the author of our faith and the finisher of our faith, but we do the throwing off. We lay aside. We run. We have endurance. We can get caught up thinking that it's the high points of life that really count. We even run that danger when reading the Bible. After all, there's often little information about 95% of the characters' lives. The Bible tells us things about people, well, for one, only certain people, and then only tells us the things about those people that serve to put forward the agenda of the Bible, which is to tell us about God and what we need to know about him and what we need to do for him, to please him. But it doesn't tell us about the rest of their lives. In the Old Testament especially, we get details that we need to move the narrative along. But that's really not a lot. Uh, for one instance that I was actually reading yesterday... In the book of First and Second Samuel and the books of First uh, and Second Kings, there's a whole lot of history of the the uh, the 
kingdoms, the northern and southern kingdom of the old, of, of Israel and Judah in the Old Testament. It gives a whole lot, not everything certainly, but it gives a lot of information. Then when you read first and second chronicles, there's a lot less information. There's nothing much of anything said about the northern kingdom or their kings. They weren't the point of the story. Uh, when it talks about David, it doesn't talk about the bad parts of David. It just talks about the things that we ought to admire about David. It is intentionally focusing on the things that it's trying to tell us about. So it's, it's so easy to get caught up in these big moments that we use to define the lives of Bible characters. But in doing so, we forget a lot of things. We forget, for instance, that Noah did not become blameless in his time, as the Bible says. That didn't happen in a moment. Uh, Jonah did not become a bitter, rebellious prophet overnight. It took time. Boaz and Ruth were not people of apparent character and integrity because God zapped them with some thunderbolt from heaven and said, be quality people. Uh, these are things that happen over time. We are the cumulative result of our lives. Uh, Israel, the nation as a people, spent centuries learning, failing, repenting, repeating. Character is built over time. The actions and attitudes we see in the disciples they weren't some kind of weird personality quirk that God put in them to teach us a lesson in jealousy or bravery or betrayal, though that may be in there. These things weren't just put into them uh, in an instant. They built these things over time. These high or low points of their lives, these 10 minutes of fame experiences that we see in Scripture, they're related to what happened during the rest of our lives in the time leading up to that point. We, not meaning Sheila and I, but Anthony and Sheila, uh, were watching a, uh, a documentary on Rich Froning. And she corrected me, or told me his name, by seeing his picture, because she knows that. Um, I have no idea what this is. But uh, <laughs> Anthony and Sheila were watching a documentary on this fit man. Uh, he is a multiple winner of CrossFit games. He's known as the fittest man on earth. Most people saw him for three days on ESPN once a year when he just destroyed the competition. But it's what he's done relentlessly day in, day out, over and over for years that got him to that point. He got to the top of the podium through a lot of work, not just three days on ESPN, apparently. Uh, he didn't build this muscle and stamina a couple weeks before. There, forget the commercials. There is no energy drink or powder or special thing you can order that will do that to you, at least not quickly. It takes time. Not everything is a sport, but there are other areas of life um, where we can observe commitment and then see output. There's lots of them. I'm sure you can think of plenty of them. It's not a, 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 a perfect correlation um, because our natural strengths and weaknesses have an impact. But there is a biblical principle of sowing and reaping that God has placed in the universe. No matter who you are, uh, no matter whether our life has been good to you or hard to you, there is no substitute for faithful, committed, hard work to take you to a better place than you are now. From what I can see in the Bible, it's no different with character building. God has given us the privilege and the responsibility of being what theologians refer to as significant moral agents. In other words, what we do matters. Uh, according to Galatians, Paul says this, Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh, from the flesh will reap corruption. Whoever sows to please the Spirit, 
from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. So notice it talks about reaping and sowing and... and um, um, I missed it here. Uh, doing good. It talks about, again, these active, these actions that we are to do. Jesus' death was the way in which he took upon himself the eternal punishment for all the corruption we have sown into our lives. But whenever we plant something, uh, whether spiritually or morally, into our life, an appropriate moral or spiritual crop begins to, to grow now, here, and in this life. This is the building and the destroying of our character. Our training matters. What we sow matters. Here's a biblical truth that can be hard to accept. God does not gift character. He does not simply give it to us, you know, blow it into you or something. God radically changes our identity through salvation. As Galatians 3.26 says, we are now children of God because he made us that. But sanctification is the process by which God changes what we sow or how we train as we build our character in the ordinary moments of days, months, and years. And this has been something throughout history, the history of the church, and even today that people get confused. They either reverse salvation and sanctification or they confuse them, conflate them somehow, and it's really important to keep them separate. It's important to remember that God does not wait until we are perfect until he can do something with us. The Bible is loaded with stories of deeply flawed people that God uses for the good of the world and for his glory. And I'd add, even wicked people. We see Pharaoh and the nation of Assyria, uh, various kings, Judas, all these people who God used who were evil, but because he is God, he used them. So this isn't about becoming good enough so that God will use you or choose you. If that were the standard, none of us would ever be chosen or rise to the occasion. This is not about God noticing us because of how awesome we are. This is about how the Bible shows discipline and character developing in the slow, ordinary, sometimes plodding times of life. And this is not a popular thought. We want to see the fancy powder or the thing we can buy for three payments of 1995 and then have it easily. But that's just not how life works. We live in a society that encourages us to see life not as a walk of baby steps, but of huge leaps and bounds. If I'm going to lose weight, this is Anthony, by the way. (laughs) If I'm going to lose weight, I want to be the biggest loser. 20 pounds over a year is hardly worth my time. I want to win the show on TV by dropping 100 in a week. If I want a makeover, again, Anthony... I don't have time for small improvements over time. I want an extreme makeover now while I'm on vacation. I guess he meant a house makeover. So, uh, if I want to make money, I want I, I want um, I don't want something that takes a long time. I want a plan that makes me money fast. I want to get rich quick. I don't want to go to work every day and set aside a small portion of it so that years and years from now I'll have something. I want it now. And dare I say, we want God to finish working in our life now and be done teaching us now, to get past our struggles with sin now, to fix our marriage now, and to answer our prayers now. 
We don't have time to just do the next thing. We want the next big thing. And if I can add something here, uh, this is the season of New Year's resolutions. Uh, gyms are packed. Churches are probably packed. Lots of places are packed. And uh, things are being taken advantage of that will probably fade quickly. That's not the, the message of the scripture. The message of scripture is perseverance over time. A lifetime of faithfulness. If we're really looking for change, we need to persevere. Run the race. Uh, this past week, well, let me in, in, in interject here. This is a time of year when there are certain people in certain corners, uh, of especially the internet, that like to publish prophecies about the coming year. Um, they're almost always unrealistic um, and narcissistic, um, but they are. Uh, this is the time that they all come out. And Anthony was reading uh, a number of these prophecies and predictions for 2019, and here is what he did not see that he wished he had seen. God has revealed to me that this next year will be full of countless times when ordinary moments of faithfulness will build his people and his kingdom. The Holy Spirit will move powerfully and help you not snap at your kids so that over time, what you plant as a parent will lead to a good relational harvest. You will face temptation. You will need to train, humble yourself, seek accountability, and do the hard work of resisting temptation. You will be overlooked underappreciated, ignored, and demeaned, but God's faithful presence will use this to build your character for the good of the kingdom and for his glory. Now, that would be an awesome thing to see, but that is not something that we see put out because that would not be a popular message that would get people to follow these various people or their ministries. And that is because this just isn't exciting to us. Eugene Peterson once said, there's a great market for religious experience in our world. There is little enthusiasm for the patient acquisition of virtue. There's little inclination to sign up for a long apprenticeship in what earlier generations of Christians called holiness. If you saw Anthony's mess, uh, his slide on Facebook, or I think it was running in the lobby here, uh, the title of the message is that there are three easy steps to um, achieving spiritual maturity, and you won't believe number two. And the reason you won't believe number two is because there are no three easy steps to achieving Christian faithfulness. Uh, the Christian life does not have simple steps. It is a life. That's why it's called that. So he was deceiving you in his title. <clears throat> Anyone who tells you there are shortcuts to character is lying to you. There is no escaping this godly practice of doing the next thing. That's something I heard too. It's funny that he mentions it in here. There's some people I used to listen to their podcast. And a lot of the times I'm presented a big question. My life is a mess. Here's my family, my marriage, my business. All these things are disaster. What do I do? Do the next right thing. You do the next right thing. Let the rest of life take care of the rest of life. Your job is to do the next right thing. Be faithful in the walk of life. In little things when there is no apparent inspiration, no applause, no crowd, no obvious immediate payoff for myself, that there is the means through which God so often does his restorative work of grace in us and around us. As I look back, as meaningful as our marriage ceremony was, Again, Anthony's, but I can use it too, that's fine. Uh, the vows of my, that my wife and I gave each other offered an inaccurate view of what we would face. There is poverty and wealth. There is sickness and health. There is joy and there is pain. There is passion and there is coldness. There is arguing and there is making up. 
But more often than not, the majority of our lives are lived somewhere in between. Not leaping from momentous event to next momentous event, but taking a Tylenol and doing the next thing. And the next things often become momentous. Alexander McLaren once said, If our likeness to God does not show itself in trifles, the little things, what is there left for it to show itself in? Our lives are made up of trifles. The great things come three or four of them in 70 years. The little ones come every time the clock ticks. Uh, you know, on a, I'll mention a, a book by Michael Horton called Ordinary that came out a few years ago that is along the same lines. A, a bunch of books had just come out on being radical and, you know, really pursuing the next thing and living, living these larger-than-life lives and amazing lives of victory and all this stuff, which there's a lot of good. I read some of those books, and there's there a lot of good in them. But Mike Horton came out with a book that I really liked called Ordinary that said, life happens every day. Life happens. We talk about quality time with our kids, which is a good thing. But how much time do you have with the kids in the back of the car driving them to school? Don't ignore those times. That's a lot of your life. Most of what we do happens in the ordinary, forgettable, not exciting, not things you would brag about times of our life. That is what your life is made of. So that's where we be faithful to God. That is where life happens to us and we respond, hopefully, following God and what he has called us to. And that is what builds character over time, a lot of time. I'm sure God could make us mature in a moment if he wanted to. But there's no record in the Bible that he ever did. He apparently does not want to. He wants us to grow up moment by moment, relying on his spirit, reading his word, and living in a community of his people. Let's go back to Jesus' parable in Matthew 7. When the rain comes, we, as followers of Christ, will stand not because we were suddenly strong, by surprise, or contrary to all uh, expectations. We will stand because, one, God provided a foundation for our lives, and two, we built on that foundation by hearing what Jesus had to say about life and faithfully doing it. This is how discipleship works. Committing our lives to following Christ then learning what it means to walk with God's help in holiness and integrity, putting one foot in front of the other day after day after day for the good of God's kingdom and his glory. And that is the end of the message. Um, so uh, I will wrap up in prayer. We're ending a little early. Um, you can join, uh, as, as uh, Pete said, Dan will be in Message Plus. Uh, my class will be starting up again uh, in room seven. Um, the rest of that will be on the wall. If you want prayer, I believe that um, there are people that will be available to pray with you if you want to come up. Um, but I encourage you to go forward in the week and the rest of the year in continuing to persevere. Uh, that Life is not um, just having big experiences, as Anthony pointed out. It is going to church every week. It is waking up and serving God every day. As scripture says, it is dying to ourself daily. It's an ongoing day after day, moment by moment, sometimes struggle, sometimes a, a slog to go through it. But that's how life is designed. So don't be discouraged in the times that seem low or tedious. Press through and um, persevere so that God can build the character 
that he is building in us. Lord, I thank you for your word, for this body, um, especially this body, Lord, and, well, and the word, obviously. But I, I thank you for this time for us to come together and hear from you, from your word, to come together as your body of believers, people who have committed themselves to you, who have an allegiance to you, who are no longer slaves to sin, but slaves to Christ. And I pray we continue in that, that we continue to press forward, continue to do the next right thing, continue to persevere, continue to be the body of Christ, to do what needs doing, to serve you, to faithfully live the life that you created for us to live. I pray that for the next week, the next year, and for the rest of our lives. And I pray that your Holy Spirit would be there every moment to help remind us of this as well. I ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. This has been a presentation of the Church of the Living God. For more information, please visit us at clgonline.org.